Hey everyone, welcome back to the Phoenix Surveillance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and you're listening to Episode 9, Phoenix Comic Con Science Report Part 2. So, as promised, we had so much content from Phoenix Comic Con that we decided to do another episode to put some more of the content in there. So, we got a lot to get to, so why don't we do that? I'll play some more highlights from Phoenix Comic Con, and then you'll hear from me again at the end. Packing software is one of the first ways to protect yourself. A lot of malware hackers out there, they exploit vulnerabilities in outdated code, and if you do not patch from your manufacturer, they're gonna exploit it. And as you can see, just recently with the WannaCry ransomware attack, Microsoft was not aware from NSA that there was a vulnerability in SMB, and with it, that exploit spread pretty quickly throughout the world. So there's there's other patches out there for things like Heartbleed was a big SSH problem uh, at one point, and there's still systems out there that are not patchable. Like you probably exploit this all the time. In, in industry, it's a little bit harder. We're a little bit more agile. If we're talking about like our personal life, like my laptop, if I have a patch available, I'm just gonna patch it. Nothing goes down. I don't even pack anything. If I reboot my laptop, it's not going to to talk about like the places you go to work every day, whether it be a company or whether it be a restaurant, whatever it is, those things may or may not be matched because you might not have someone who supports them every day, maybe that person's only in every week to support those things. They have a lot of other things on their list of things to do. And in the industry, you know, when you start talking about big companies, nobody wants to kind of take these things offline and impact their availability because their availability is what they're being paid for, right? You are allowed to ask, why do you need why that? You need that? Yeah. And maybe my social security number per day is 111111112. That's okay. I mean, you just kind of, kind of got a question whether or not you actually need this information. Most patient information is actually kept on the intranet, not the internet, and that system doesn't actually have internet access. Make it bad. We can have that discussion. <laughs> when, they give us the, when they give us the layout for it, it they specifically state they take the, that they've taken the wireless router and the actual modem out of it, but... Yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everything has to connect to something, right? Even if it's just talking to something else internally. And so once you have, at least in what I do every day, as long as I can get to that one thing that's kind of trusted, it's trusted. Now I have access to the thing that... Yeah, that's why we took the smart TVs offline. We had a small issue with the patient getting in through the smart TV. Okay. So do you see the commercials for the remotes that you talk to? Concours. Concours, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that that's just all, all the smarts are in that remote? All that stuff goes back to the server farm for... And, and it's not only going back for to make it work, they're doing analytics on that. So they're keeping track of what you're, okay, I want to watch uh, porn horror movies, right? That's actually being associated with your account back at, at the service provider. Is so, that the same with like the Google Homes and the yep. Echoes and stuff? Alexa's, yes. I'll, I'll, all, any voice recognition software, yeah. right? From, from Amazon, Google, anything like that. All of those things go back to the cloud and they're, they're sure they're processed and they do services for you but they're also kept for analytics and they're uh, also kept because they can be subpoenaed. There, there's a murder case or something that, that happened last year that they're subpoenaing the voice, the, the sound record from the, electric, the uh, 
Amazon home box or whatever it was that actually caught the sound of the guy committing the crime. So if you think that those things are just local, no. Anything that listens to you is listening at the at the main cloud provider and is being recorded. So go home, unplug all your smart TVs, turn off your voice recognition software, you'll be fine. The, those recordings are called utterances, utterances, and they are worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Uh, but, so you're giving them one, first yeah. of all. Second of all, yeah, unplug it all. <laughs> when you look towards the future, what is one thing that like keeps you up at night that you're most worried about? And on the flip side of that, what is the one thing that you are most excited for, looking for, that gives you hope for Either, either yourself and your family, or for humanity, or for the world as a whole. Sure, sure, I can start off. Um, I, two related things. I, the thing that worries me most about the future is global climate change. Um, I believe our climate is changing at such a rapid rate that life cannot evolve rapidly enough to deal with the climate change, and that worries me tremendously. Um, the second part of that is uh, we are in an era uh, where some people don't believe in evidence-based policy, and those two go hand in hand, and so uh, to me, uh, uh, getting groups of people who really believe in science and the evidence that science can bring forth to drive policy decisions is really a key thing that we need to, to do in the future. So I've already alluded to what scares me, keeps me up at night. Um, I've been listening to an audio book called Future Crime. Has anybody been listening to that or read it? And it really deals with um, our information technology fields and world and dependence on the amount of information and the amount of um, technology that we all have come to rely on. Um, Cybersecurity is very intimidating and very scary. And if we don't get um, the next generations working on solutions to these problems, it will take us over and it will cause so much harm and damage to our lives and to our livelihoods, our, our future <coughs> economies. Um, if you think about it, you know, our power power plants and power infrastructure in the countries that, that, that are around us and the control and the power that they want to yield and take over um, and destroy different societies. These things are very real. I even had to stop listening to future crime a couple of times because it scared me so much. And one of the things that I, I need to go back and reread this chapter and make sure that I got the statistic right. But they were saying that of all of the, um, uh, the, the World Wide Web, all of the access to global information and whatnot, that's only 3% of what's available. 97% is some, in something called the dark web. Yeah. It is scary. When you think 97% is below the surface that nobody knows about, nobody knows how to um, to, to, to rein that in and control it and overcome the threats that, that persist there, I'm like, wow, you know, we, we really need to grow up the next generation of cybersecurity experts that can go into and solve these problems. There's 1.2 million, uh, 1 million 
unfilled cybersecurity positions in this country right now. That's a lot, and that's just today. Just to hit on your point with that, um, do you know that Arizona is leading the way in cybersecurity of the nation? I didn't know that. And actually, one of the best places is Arizona to ever work there, which is upstairs in the Hall of Heroes doing demonstrations on how to learn how to take care of yourself. So if you are interested in that, go ahead and go to the Hall of Heroes and see the cyber worker rings, and they are open to the public to see. So what makes you hopeful for the future? I'm that. So, I, so my hope for the future is that um, having worked now in the Bay with um, some amazing students over the course of the last year, um, I, I see so much um, talent out there that is, is going to change the way that we engineer in the future. Um, these kids are coming out of college, I shouldn't say kids, these young adults <laughs> are coming out of college today so much better prepared than I ever did, and I would imagine even some of you, right? They have tools, they're not afraid of them, they, they, they have connections, um, they have the curiosity, they, they have so much opportunity out there. Um, so they, to me, are what I look forward to in the future. It's the, I, I would say the future engineers, but I have to now broaden my horizons to say it's the future engineers, scientists, and mathematicians um, that are going to make sure that we can maintain the, the level of uh, happiness, uh, flourishment, et cetera, in our lives today. Well, I share the fear that uh, we're, we're moving towards a society where not only do people uh, not rely on evidence for policy making, but actively are hostile to the concept that you should use evidence uh, to make uh, you know, your policy decisions and that evidence is what you want it to be. And, and, you know, there's always some of that going on, but it, you know, there's a process that's been established in science for a long time, and it is self-correcting. It, it definitely does. There's so many people involved and there's so much scrutiny. If a result is deemed to be important, then it will be and validated over and over and over again and become pretty much you know, the way things are understood to work. So that really does disturb me that, that we're not uh, relying on evidence. And I understand that there's a need to balance factors. You can't let science drive everything that happens, but it definitely needs a seat at the table and needs to be part of your decision-making process. And you have to make hard decisions uh, because there's all kinds of other factors in your term health and safety and economics and security and all of that needs to come into play. But that, that really scares me that, uh, that it, not only that we're not doing it, but that it's, it's going to be seen as being uh, unproductive or hostile or um, you know, not the right way to approach problems. And so it'll come around. I mean, you're not going to get away from climate change. We're gonna, uh, my, my biggest fear is that we are not going to be proactive, we're not going to mitigate it, and it's just going to come and hit us, and people will suffer, and we're going to react, and that's what species do, and that's what evolution means, um, but you know, only the strongest survives, so we'll see what comes out uh, of the back end of that process. Uh, in terms of the things that make me most hopeful, I mean, what I, you know, I went back to my beginnings with SETI and the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, and I pursued a career in planetary exploration. And I honestly believe one of the greatest scientific discoveries that awaits us is evidence of an independent origin of life and life on another planet. Uh, in our solar system, there's a, there's a reasonable chance that we could find that, maybe in a, a subsurface biosphere on Mars or in uh, the hidden oceans of Europa or Titan or Enceladus, these amazing planetary satellites around the gas giant planets. And now with the extrasolar planet discoveries, you know, over 1,000 
extrasolar planets and more being discovered all the time. We're finding things that are like the Earth in terms of their mass and their orbital properties. We're starting to be able to spectroscopically characterize their atmospheres. Uh, we're starting to do direct imaging of some of these objects. So uh, as soon as we find convincing evidence that there is life somewhere else besides this Earth, uh, it'll be probably the greatest revolution in our understanding and our place in the universe since Copernicus uh, took us out of the center of the solar system and placed the sun there. So to me, that's what really gets me excited, <coughs> that we will find out we're not alone. And then hopefully it actually has political and cultural ramifications back on Earth where we realize that we've got we to come together as a species, as a planet, because of that. All right, so... Phoenix Comic Con. Lots of fun and very educational. So I highly, highly recommend it, especially for the younger crowd so they can learn more about science and STEAM and STEM and maybe even get directed into a career like that. And just a reminder, you can check out the blog post that we did about Phoenix Comic Con. It has links to all the people behind all the science stuff there. So go on and check that out at phoenixsurveillance.com under our blog section. So that's going to do it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch, you can send an email to phxsurveillance at gmail.com. You can check out our website, phoenixsurveillance.com. And from there, you can find a portal to all of our social media if you want to say hi. And of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. We do have some really cool stuff in store for upcoming podcasts, so definitely stay tuned for that. That's it for this episode. I'm Kate Dubinko, signing off. 